Welcome to the EcoBot Podcast, where we dive into what matters most for 21st century wetland scientists. Throughout this series, we touch on the increasingly important role that technology plays in wetland science. I'm Jeremy Shavey, and on today's episode, we're going to dive into GNSS receivers. We're going to define some terms, check out some of the new satellite constellations that are available, and take a look at the core functionality of the receivers. Things are evolving and changing rapidly, and oftentimes we as humans have a difficult time keeping up with our own technology and what those changes are. I know I've had my own frustrations with that sometimes, and so how do we ease that change? I believe the challenge of life is that we must be willing to adapt, shift, and move. As humans, we are constantly adapting to changes in our biosphere, whether it's climate change and potential political unrest or global pandemics. Today, we're going to look at how some of these new Bluetooth-enabled receivers work and how those pair with field applications. We're also going to hear some case studies from several of my colleagues from within the industry. Global Positioning System, GPS. How do we navigate? Whether you've ever used a compass or not, I hope everyone here at least has used a compass once, And but thinking about how that works in creating our relationship to where we are located on the planet, how we navigate, how we get from one place to another. How do we orienteer? How do we triangulate off of objects to find our places? GPS receivers or GNSS receivers help us with that now. And let's take a let's take a little bit deeper dive in here. So first, let's define some terms. First and foremost, I think the most important thing here is to identify the difference between a GPS receiver and a GNSS receiver. So most people are familiar with a GPS. So GPS really just is going to cover North America. So when you're looking at some of these new GPS receivers that the rest of our conversation here today we're going to be talking about as our GNSS receivers, they are much more robust and have a much higher degree of accuracy in spatial location because they're also pairing with all of these other constellations of satellites that are existing above the earth right now. And those are just continuing to grow. And just kind of as a piggyback off the back of that with a little help from Jean-Yves from EOS giving me some of these numbers. Here's how many satellites sit just in the GPS constellation. We've got 31 right now that are in orbit and functional. But then when we're talking about a GNSS receiver, we get to add in all of these other satellites that we are then triangulating off of in order to give us that spatial relationship to where we are on the Earth. That's 113 satellites as of June 20th that we get to pull from. Now, I think that that number has gone up a couple, um, and a couple have been also are not working still. So the number kind of goes up a little bit, kind of comes down a little bit, but we're, we're adding two as we go. But the basic idea here is we've got a lot of satellites orbiting the Earth that are giving us that capability of, of finding where we are on the planet. A couple weeks ago, I was out in the field. I couldn't figure out how it worked. I was getting very frustrated, but I know everyone at some point when they're working with tech gets to this point where how does it work? You just want to, you know, I'm just pushing the button. 
I have a hard time figuring out what's going on behind the fabric. So we're going to take a little bit deeper dive. How does a Bluetooth enabled GPS receiver, GNSS receiver work? You need a piece of hardware. You need a smartphone or a tablet, something that you can pair. And then you need an application, something that allows you to tie whatever your Bluetooth enabled receiver is to that device. And then finally, you're going to need, you know, and that's just going to give you spatial information. After that, what you're going to need is, is some sort of application to actually record whatever data it is that you're out in the field to record. And so you need your phone or your tablet, you need your Bluetooth enabled GPS receiver, you need some sort of application that allows you to tie those, those two pieces of hardware together, and then you need another piece of uh, software or an application in order to record data. So in respect to our conversation today and some of the, the hardware that we're going to cover, these are the best applications in order to allow your hardware to be able to communicate with your GNSS receiver. So we're going to be seeing case studies from the R1, from Tremble, from the SX Blue, and also from the EOS Aero series. The Jupiter's Geode we're not going to be discussing today, but that's another great one that people in the industry are using as well. And then these are some of the applications that we're going to be hearing about today from our, from our presenters in respect to actually then collecting their data in respect to wetlands or stream science and how that then is directed into reporting into what your all's final output or your products are going to be either for the regulatory industry or for whoever your private clients or industrial clients may be. Today we're going to hear case studies from four different consultants. Three of them are going to be in respect to wetlands, one in respect to streams. The uh, case studies we're going to look at are going to see how those Bluetooth enabled receivers pair with the hardware and then with the applications for creating efficiency in the workflow. And so today, the case studies that you're going to see are going to be looking at how a collector is syncing up with hardware and how Ecobot, in most of the cases, is being used to actually collect the delineation data. But what I'm really excited about is within the next month, we'll probably get to see a lot more case studies where we'll get to see people in that partnership with Ecobot and Esri be able to create the actual wetland units within Ecobot itself. So we're very excited about that journey forward with Esri. So with that said, we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna introduce our first speaker. Caitlin is coming in from just outside of Chicago. So Caitlin, why don't you go ahead and bring yourself in. All right, thanks Jeremy. So my name is Caitlin Burke, and I am an environmental consultant with Gabald Hamilton Associates. So I do primarily wetland delineations, been doing this about eight years now. And the tools that I use to perform the delineations are the, the R1 receiver. And um, I use that with both the Ecobot software and the ArcGIS collector. So my case study is this is a site up in um, Volo, Illinois, which is in Lake County. As Jeremy mentioned, my, my company is located just outside of Chicago. So most of my delineations are done in the, in the Chicago area. So this was about a 90 acre parcel of farm field. So we had a combination of farmed wetlands and just regular wetlands that have been farmed around. 
So I was out there just for a typical delineation, determining the extent of all the wetlands and waters of the U.S. Typically for a job of this size, I would expect to spend the whole day on site, maybe more. You know, I've just recently started utilizing the EcoBot app for my wetland data collection. And especially for this site, it was very fun to test out because of how many wetlands are on site. Usually I'm going out to delineate one or two wetlands at a time, but we had seven separate wetlands on this site. So that was 14 data points that I collected with EcoBot. For my boundaries, I've been using the Esri collector app and pairing that with the R1 receiver, as I mentioned. So the GNSS application that I use is called GNSS status. So I'll use that with the receiver. And then, like I said, use collector to actually grab the points and connect those points in GIS to create the wetland boundaries. So then, you know, the direct impact of being able to utilize this technology was, I, I believe I got to this site around 10 a.m. I had another site before that, so I didn't get out there as early as I wanted to, but I still got the entire site delineated before the sun went down, which is always the goal. So that was about six hours of field work, just, just myself doing the field work. So that was very efficient, saved me a couple of hours in the field and back in the office about four hours of just not having to type in that data into my Army Corps data forms. It's automatically in there from EcoBot when I was collecting it in the field using the EcoBot app. So, you know, being the only, I am the only environmental consultant at my company. So this really helps me be efficient and finish this job quickly so then I can move on to the next job and, you know, profit a little bit more just because of the time that we're saving. Thanks, Caitlin. All right, so we're going to jump over to Olivia. Hi, my name is Olivia Haney. I'm an environmental scientist. I work for Burns & McDonald. It's an engineering and consulting firm headquartered out of Kansas City. We do a lot of field work. I'm pretty consistently in the field, so we really use our devices very heavily, frequently, and use them pretty hard, I would say. So we use the ISX Blue receivers. I focus on wetlands and streams primarily. We also will use them for T&E species, recording habitats and potential roost trees or sensitive areas, anything like that, we'll use these receivers for. I pair it with the collector app and also the EcoBot app. So for this case study, I wanted to discuss, this was a little over 1,400 acres of wetland delineation in north central Texas for a proposed renewable energy project. This is probably like one of our smaller projects or, or mid-sized projects. The purpose was just to do a traditional delineation, determine the full extent of jurisdictional wetlands and, and other waters of the U.S. In total on this project, we collected 32 wetlands and 14 streams, varying in size and scope. For this project, it was myself and, and a field partner, and we had two receivers, so we were each able to connect a device, the, a Windows tablet, so we'll use that to connect. I prefer to use my phone personally. I have an iPhone and so I connect to my phone and have Collector and EcoBot both stored on my phone. We've also connected to Samsung tablets and Android phones as well. So my field partner used 
an iPad and I had my, my iPhone connected as well. Collected all the offline field data through Ecobot and then also through the offline downloaded area on Collector to collect our wetland and stream boundaries, our sample plot locations, and then also photo points that included geo-referenced photos in the Collector app. And the output that we got from that was shape files that were ready to go. Basically, as soon as I synced up my data and sent it back to the cloud on, on ArcGIS Online, and then also these geo-referenced photos. On my phone, when I'm looking at it, that shows some of the sample plots and wetlands that were collected, as well as a stream and fringe wetland area. We completed the delineation, I believe this we did in two and a half days. And I remember this was definitely a rush to the end. We, we worked up to the very last hour before and we went straight to catch our flight back home to KC. So we really maximized our, our amount of time out in the field. One of the best features that I like about pairing my GPS receiver with the Collector app is having the ability to tag my photos and geo-reference them and they're saved within Collector. And so I know exactly um, what photos are tied to, to each sample plot. The pictures I had from the slide before are from streams and from a sample plot that was taken within a PFO wetland. So having those tied directly to the points is really helpful. This device, it's pretty small, handheld, and then we just pair it to the receiver that sits on top of an antenna, um, but it fits in my backpack and I don't really have to repair it very often. It works well in forested canopy. The battery life is super long. It lasts for a full like 10 or 12 hour a day in the field. And I haven't had any issues with this device overheating, especially on, on really hot days. I've done a couple delineations in Southwest Oklahoma that got really hot and an older device we used tended to overheat a lot. So we would have to take a lot of breaks, which is probably good for us health-wise, but slowed down the delineation a little bit. But impact-wise, the accuracy is, is really unparalleled from what I've seen. On another project within kind of the Plains region, I was getting down to seven inch accuracy. So that's pretty impressive. And then the speed is just, is really convenient. And that just allows for a larger project load and, and less time between surveys since we don't have to do a lot of post-processing with this. And that is what I have. Great, thank you. All right, so now we're gonna go to Kyle. Hey everybody, this is uh, Kyle Halchin. I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I work for Kimley Horn, a large private uh, civil and planning firm doing anything from aviation to landscape architecture and solar and energy. And, telecom these days, and not last but not least, water resources and environmental consulting. Myself, I mainly work on stream restoration mitigation banking sites for some private clients. We also have different municipal clients we do some stream restoration and greenway design for. I've mainly been using the Trimble R1, like we've already seen, paired with a phone or tablet and using the collector app been getting about like 18 inch accuracy recently and we've mainly used that just for you know collecting different data out in the field with the collector app and then also capturing 360 photos and creating some virtual tours of uh, stream corridors yeah so i have two case studies actually i'll try to go pretty quick first one is a large kind of a large stream wetland mitigation bank for a private client we're doing the doing the design and permitting and everything associated with that for that project. We use the collector app mostly just for, you know, existing conditions, site assessments, anything and everything from, you know, photo points to noting areas of stream instability to wetland delineations. 
So with the with the R1, you know, any if it's connected to the phone, any any photo has that level of accuracy just spatially. So it provides us a really nice tool for just you know getting knowing exactly where um, exactly where things are in the field and on the site. And then we can just throw everything, throw everything onto a web app and anybody and everybody has access to it at any time in, in the project. Just, you know, really beneficial when it comes to, you know, you're back in the office and trying to figure something out or find where something is or make a decision. And you can just look back at the, the data you've already collected and it's really accurate spatially wise. So that's primarily what we have been using the R1 for. Second case study. In the last year or so, we started, we got a 360 camera and that's Rico Theta B. It basically just has two, two cameras on it, one on the front, one on the back and it, they're fisheye lenses. So they poke out a little bit. And then, you know, when you take a picture, it, it stitches those together to make this kind of 360 like orb that, that you're looking through. So what we did, we, we took the Trimble R1, you know, kind of duct taped it to a pole and mounted the camera at the top. And this was all connected to an iPhone. And then we put that pole in a canoe and um, <laughs> floated down a creek in Mecklenburg County. And this was all with the intention of, you know, kind of mapping the creek just photographically and also doing a beehive assessment or bank erosion assessment. So what you get, as long as, you know, you have accurate points and your 360 photos are geospatially where they're supposed to be, <laughs> and pointing the right direction, you can, you know, with a little bit of post-processing, link them all together and basically create a virtual tour of the stream corridor or any, you know, doesn't have to be a corridor, it could be <laughs> a site on grid, but you, you know, you get this really valuable tool at the end of the day that, you know, the clients love it because they're able to step through, uh, step through the, the project site. You can look back at any time and <laughs> kind of scroll down through your path and see, you know, do different assessments or whatnot, or make decisions that, uh, that might have required you to be in the field. To, you know, you can do those in the office now. Great. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Let's jump over to Scott then. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm uh, Scott Dunham. I work for Environmental Solutions and Innovations. We are an environmental firm specializes in t &E surveys and 401, 404 permitting, mitigation design and monitoring. And we pretty much do it all over the U.S., so we get a lot of uh, field experience all the way across. I'm our wetlands and permitting manager. I'm based out of Ravenna, Ohio, where our headquarters is out of Cincinnati, up this way. We use a lot of different applications. We do ArcGIS. We do we use Collector, iNaturalist, Survey123. Lately, I've been trying to pair things with Ecobot and using that a lot. We use the EOS series so we have the eos arrow unit 100s 200s and the new gold units that they came out with uh so we've been using it in for this one i'll kind of show you where we use arrow the gold units or the 200 units with collector we've also paired it like i said with survey one two three and with ecobot for most of our projects it's the eos arrow unit paired with an ipad a lot of times people pair it with their phones as well we've also paired it with things that are outside of, of Apple, like Android as well. It just happens to be that it seems to work really good with our iPads that we've already purchased and we bought a lot of them. So we're kind of stuck with them now. We do 
mostly with our Waters of the U.S. and T&E surveys, we're able to do PRTs, we're able to do crayfish stuff, mussel things, definitely our wetland delineations and stream. We've even tried to sync up with the new gold units to hit stronger satellites to get you know closer to survey grade accuracy for some of our stream engineers on our company. What's good about us is it, it works offline and online. And sometimes if you have, if you want to get really good at it, you can go to an area that actually has cell service and you can run it live and which is really nice so people back in the office can see what you're doing like big brother the whole time. Our data output, we use the geo database containing feature classes with our standard GIS shape files and CVS files. So for us, you can hook the arrow unit onto a pole similar to other things. A lot of times, Poles don't work great for projects that require you to use both your hands, especially when we're working in Virginia or West Virginia, when you kind of have to grab trees and climb your way up a mountain. So we did a lot of practice over the last few years of trying to figure out different ways to hook it up. It's basically a, you know, a little small box about as big as your cell phone lengthwise that has a cord that runs up to what we call a little puck unit, kind of looks like a small hockey puck. We've been hooking them on top of our backpacks and taping them down and running the cords and kind of wiring the cords in. So it fits right in the backpack real easily. And we've had great reception, even in tree canopies, we've been able to move, use our hands, even use a clipboard at the same time, walk around. So we don't always have to use the pole. For us, it's definitely sped us up. We can get everything hooked into collector really quick, build the maps, put our, NHDs on there or NWIs, any other background information you need. And a lot of times, especially now, we're getting a lot of clients that are asking us for our accuracy. They actually want to see that you know our accuracy is what we say it is. So we're able to take a deeper dive into our GNS and find out like what our accuracy for these different points were. Sometimes you're, you know, you're gonna be outside your you're three feet, but a lot of times we're getting, you know, eight inches, 12 inches, you know, you know, maybe a foot and a half accuracy. So it's been very good for us. It's, it's definitely sped us up in the field and by able to collect all this extra data into collector, we're able to put all of our wetland data that we needed to then spit it out to a very quick next day or even that day shape file and data package for, for our clients. And that's been one good thing when they always ask, you know, well, can you get it back to me in like five days? Normally we're like, yes, we can get it back to you, you know, probably within 24 hours, as long as everything's links up correctly. And it's been a lot less QAQC on the back end for our PMs. And like I said, if it's, if you have good data and you're online, you can actually be watching somebody collecting something at the exact same time that they're out there. If not, it's quick for our GIS in the background. They usually just skim through real quick, pull the files out, just see if anything looks a little wonky, and then they pretty much ship it away. Thank you for listening to the EcoBot Podcast. On the next episode, we'll wrap up our conversation about GNSS receivers and field applications. And here's some of the panel's responses to the Q&A. If you like what you heard, take a moment to rate review, and follow along on any podcast app, including the one you are using now. If you'd like to learn more about how Ecobot is helping transform the industry and to see what we can do to help your company by scheduling a demo, 
you can find us on LinkedIn or visit ecobotapp.com. I'm Jeremy Shavey, and I'll see you next time on the Ecobot Podcast.